the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, folks. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is dePietro.com. This portion of the program, folks, stop in and see her, Marie, at It's My Health. It's a nice, sunny Wednesday. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Remember, vitamins, herbal remedies, local products like the incredible acai berry, honey. Honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products. It's my health. Stop it and see her or call it 305-3585 right across uh, from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. We are standing by for Ken Cuccinelli is going to join us. He is an American politician lawyer. He uh, served Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, also a member of the Republican Party. Uh, he's also been um, served as the Principal Deputy Senior Official, performing the duties Director U.S. Citizenship Immigration Services. He was the Attorney General of Virginia, and he has been testifying uh, he did testify, I believe, in Rhode Island regarding some of these voting laws. If you missed last hour, we had a tremendous guest. Folks, we are going to post it a little bit later. I'll have it up on the website a little bit later. And uh, incredible guest basically saying that Rhode Island, we have the ver- worst voting rolls in the country. The absolute worst in the country. I will have that posted a little bit later. And that will be on the website, topetro.com. So we're standing by for Ken Cuccinelli is going to join us. And as, as I said, very, very knowledgeable. Folks, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Now, this hour also, I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the protests. And then uh, and also, uh, boy, it's a big day in that Derek Chauvin trial. All right, folks, um, joining us right now, as I mentioned, he is former uh, deputy Secretary Homeland Security, I want to welcome to the program, and we're certainly pleased to talk to him. It's Ken Cuccinelli. Good afternoon, Ken. You're on the John DePietro Show. Hey, good to be on with you. Hey, Ken, uh, number one, I want to thank you uh, for testifying and looking into the Rhode Island, our voting situation. People are very frustrated by it. There's been lack of transparency. A lot of people don't have faith in our elections. And uh, you're an outsider. You were the Attorney General of Virginia. Uh, what can you tell us, your impression on our current current election slash voting systems and regulations? Well, I definitely agree with you that there is a lack of confidence. And, you know, it isn't enough to have a good system, Not, and you don't have a good system, but, but it isn't enough just to have a good system. You have to set it up that work that is good. I mean, so... It's, we talk about it in the justice system all the time. It's important to not only have justice, but to give the appearance of justice because that affects the confidence in the whole system and in our society. And the same is true of our elections. If we can't have faith in the outcome of our elections, then they stop mattering. And, uh, you know, you start moving in the direction of Banana Republic type stuff. So while you've got... Uh, some in your legislature, minority, proposing to clean up your system. You've got a secretary of state coming in there trying to make it even worse. Dirty it up. 
And at the federal level, we have uh, this radical left bill, H.R. 1, Senate Bill 1, uh, that essentially takes every bad practice that happened in COVID and, and codifies it federally and forces it on every state. So you don't even have these debates in your state legislature anymore uh, because the federal government has decided they know best, right? So we are working hard to avoid that all over the country, um, even while you have some folks working hard to or shine a light on the things that need improvement in Rhode Island. Ken, uh, what are some of the things, I don't expect you to know everything inside and out, but what are just some of the things that you notice that we could do that right now don't exist with uh, Rhode Island, uh, our system of voting and election laws? Yeah, well, you know, let's start with some basic things like clean voter rolls. And um, that's that's one that it's, it's almost amazing to me that these things get debated. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, you'd think everybody could agree on that one. And yet. There isn't universal agreement on no. that. And um, so when, when and I'll tell you as an attorney, former attorney general, elections are unique in terms of how you deal with a potential problem before and after. Yep. So in most law enforcement, you don't do anything to stop, say, a robbery per se. I don't go stand at your, on your porch to make sure your house isn't robbed, right? Um, but if your house is robbed, I do show up, I find out what happened, I help you recover, and I go try to find the bad guy. But in an election, if that's your, if that's how you operate, then we're literally, after November and before the swearing in, we're trying to find fraud, investigate it, prosecute it, and fix the election all in a matter of weeks. And our investigators aren't set up that way. You don't, you're you not set up that way in Rhode Island. They're, our court systems are not set up that way. They can't handle that. So what does that mean? That means that we have to be extra mindful of avoiding problems on the front side. And that brings me back to those clean voter rolls. One of the ways you do that is make sure you only have citizens on your voter rolls, that they're all alive for instance, they haven't moved. Um, and one of the things, you know, I'm going to pick on your secretary of state some, you know, they, they like our colleagues around the country in some places, they only want to use the post office address change system. Well, they only catch like 60% of changed addresses. You really need to come into the 21st century and start using some of the data tools that exist to let you know when someone registered at address X was no longer at address X. And that's not hard to do. And by itself, when you take it out of politics, when you take it out of Republican and Democrat, just talk to your fellow Americans, they tend to agree with all of those things. What it takes to run an election well is a very commonsensical arrangement, including things like voter ID. You know, Americans overwhelmingly support these things. No matter what color their skin, no matter what party they're in, they overwhelmingly support these kinds of common sense steps. And yet when it gets in the political arena, it, it people sort of go with their tribe. Oh, Republicans are proposing it. Therefore, it's bad. It's like the old orange man bad. Anything from Trump was automatically bad. Yeah. And, and even if it was a good idea. Um, and, you know, that's not healthy for America anywhere 
Um, and we need to just focus on what are good steps, like voter ID, like clean voter rolls, like using the change of address information that is available to us to keep those clean and avoid fraud, checking for citizenship. These are not controversial things for ordinary Americans. They're literally like two to one in favor across the board, regardless of color, party, gender, anything. Folks, we're speaking with Ken Cuccinelli, who is um, who was the Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security about Rhode Island elections. Ken, who is um, what are some states as an example that from what I understand, after the debacle of 2000 with the hanging chads, that Florida really have gone out of their way and they have a, a great system right now. A lot of transparency. Yep, true. Uh, and, and, you know, that that's not an easy state because then you have a lot of people with the, you know, six months in a day. And, and Florida can be pretty trained, especially these days. But what are some other states that maybe um, just have a, a good model that, that our state could kind of mimic a little bit? So Florida really was... Florida proves we can fix it. Right. But they were utterly embarrassed in 2000. They were a joke. Yep. They weren't even counting wrong the same way in different parts of the state as the Supreme Court found in Bush v. Gore. Um, and they set about fixing it just like you said, John. I mean, and they have, you look at 2020 with all the problems all over the place. They counted the same night, third largest state. They were done counting the night of. No complaints on either side because of all that transparency. Very predictable um, process. I don't mean outcome, but process. Um, another state, much smaller, New Hampshire. Yep. Uh, New Hampshire's got a secretary of state that's elected by their legislature. He's a Democrat, Gardner. He's been elected by both Democrat and Republican legislatures, even though he is the Democrat, for the simple reason that he has done a good job. And, um, you know, they've kept it clean. They've kept it smooth. Um, you know, that's much closer to home for you all, um, much closer to your size as a state. Yes. And um, they also, of course, have the very sensitive political topic of first in the nation primary. Right. But um, that's sort of another topic. But but they've run, they've run clean, smooth. They count fast without a great deal of rigmarole. And unfortunately... You know, Florida and New Hampshire seem to be a little more in the minority. I honestly, I think a lot of our state have just been lackadaisical about update about learning from the mistakes that go on every election and updating them. I can tell you, as a former state legislator, you know, you get by an election and there's always some problems. I'm like, oh, you know, do we really got to deal with this? I have these other things I want to do, and you know, it feels like you're just fixing a bureaucracy after an election. And, and so these things get ignored, including Justice Thomas. In a dissent, maybe a month ago, uh, from the Supreme Court deciding not to hear an election case. So he wasn't deciding the outcome, dissenting on the outcome. He was dissenting on the fact they didn't even hear the case. And he said, look, we get these election cases all the time. We say they're moot because the election's over, and we never give these people any legal guidance. Hmm. We need to take some of these cases. That is the judicial version of the legislative apathy I just described to you, where you get past the election and people say, oh, you know, I want to do this now. It's, I'd much rather do economic development or some hot button issue of like guns or abortion or whatever. And, and you know, you got to make you got to make sure the basics are covered. And in a constitutional republic, the most basic element 
process-wise is the voting. So, again, it needs to both be secure and fair, and it needs to be seen to be secure and fair. And that means transparency and accountability. And, uh, you know, you guys have work to do. You're not alone in having work to do. Um, Unfortunately, uh, with the one-party rule, um, with how partisan uh, firms have become, where, unfortunately, on a... The extreme left really pushes um, steps that don't improve voting. They open the door to fraud seemingly intentionally. Yeah. Things like getting rid of voter ID and 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 um, not allowing checking on citizenship, not allowing cleaning of the voter rolls, and your Secretary of State's a good example of this. Um, and uh, those cause more problems. They They raise more doubts about the outcome. And then those same people complain when their side wins the election that the other side is upset about it. It's worth remembering four years ago, 26% of Americans didn't think the right person was going to be sworn in as president. Hmm. This year, it was 31%. I bet you anything, there isn't a whole lot of overlap in those two (laughs) groups. That's right. That's according to Scott Rasmussen. But that means over 50% of Americans who voted in the last two presidential elections, at least in one of the two, didn't think we were getting the outcome right as a matter of process. And that's very harmful to a constitutional republic like the United States of America. Folks, to speak with Ken Cuccinelli about Rhode Island voting. And and Ken, it was the summer of 2017 when uh, President Trump had instituted, you know, it was going to be a commission to look into all this. And our Secretary of State in the middle of the summertime, when there was no one around, without any notice or warning, they basically went in and she removed the birth dates from the voting rolls. Now, she did it under the guise of, oh, we have to protect people because of identity theft. But, Ken, the fact of the matter is um, other states have all the information online. Is there a huge number of, vo- of identity theft because of, of states' voting rolls? No. Uh, look, as an attorney general, uh, I had to deal with identity theft directly. And there's three key facts. Your full legal name, um, your social security number, and your date of birth. So date of birth is one of the three. You know, legal name isn't hard to get. Um, it's, it's typically that social security number that is the kicker. And um, uh, but having voter rolls available at least so you can go check your own status is actually a security mechanism. So, you know, on October 25th, you can go look yourself up and you can, this sounds funny, but I'll explain it. You can see that you haven't been recorded as voting. The reason that's important is you know that no one else has used your name to attempt to vote. Right. And, um, you know, that's a security mechanism. And, uh, you know, I'm working down here in Virginia. We have a governor's race this year. Pete Snyder's looking, he's one of the candidates on the Republican side. He's looking at making exactly that kind of thing available so that we get the benefit of the public participating in avoiding the fraud. Because, I mean, if you see your name used, you're going to go crazy, right? right? Somebody stole my vote. Right. You don't even need to know who they voted for. You just need to know that that was your vote and somebody stole it. So let's say that happened. How do you get that vote out? You don't. Right. Is the answer. You don't. And judges are human beings. They're very loath 
to redo or overturn an election, um, or, or let's use a real one, Georgia. After the election, they found that 18,000 people who allegedly vote, who did vote, or names that were used to vote, um, were either dead or registered to vote in a commercial building. Yes. Like an office building or a vacant lot. Right. So that's 18,000. That's a, that's a big number. But more critically, the margin of victory in the presidential race was 12,000. Hmm. Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by 12,000. Does that mean that Donald Trump would have won the state? No, not automatically, but it definitely could have happened. And so calls into question the outcome of the election. Yeah, This is real stuff, folks, and it has real impacts on real elections. Hmm. And, um, you know, we'll never know whether those 18,000 would have made the difference, but we'll always wonder. And so it guts confidence in our elections. And we saw the results of that in the special election in January in the Senate, where tens of thousands of people on the Republican side just chose not to show up right. because they, they didn't feel like it mattered. Yes. Like, they, like their voice was going to be heard. Yep. Well, and, and you know, to be to be honest with you, we're getting a lot of that in this area, um, and yep. myself included. It has nothing to do with President Trump. My faith in our election system has been has been eroded, and with good reason. Yeah. You know, there's no transparency, and and last year all these unsolicited mail ballot applications went out, and and last year in the middle of the pandemic, this this record turnout. The state's largest turnout had been four hundred. And 75,000 in, in 2008 with President Obama winning. This past year, this November, was 525,000. That, that's uh, How is it in this pandemic when a lot of people didn't go out, where we just had a record 50,000 more people came out and voted? But Ken, also, um, are, is the state, before I let you but is the state violating federal law with some of the information that is being hidden? Say that again? Is the state of Rhode Island... Are we uh, is the state violating federal law by not having more of this information accessible? No, um, that really at this point is left to each state. Okay, and um, you know it it varies widely. One of the things the states do differently is just how available voter information is. It it varies pretty widely across states, and one of the important reasons to avoid HR1, S1, um, and the federal takeover of elections is the differences between states are both a learning opportunity and a security mechanism. So let's stay with learning opportunity. It's the simple laboratories of democracy. You know, you and I just talked about Florida. There's a lot to learn from the process Florida went through to improve their election. Well, that wouldn't exist if it was a one-size-fits-all federal system. Um, and you and I have talked about different things in different states. Those are things that maybe folks in Rhode Island do or don't like, but you get to think about it in the context of the real world because other states have done it. Um, from my experience in the Department of Homeland Security, my election security role, our election security role, was um, not domestic. We faced off with foreign threats. States run the elections and secure the elections state by state, but at the national level, we dealt with the potential for foreign threats. And one of our security advantages is the fact that 50 states in the District of Columbia run different decentralized elections. 
And the reason that's a security advantage is if you're, let's say the Russians wanted to try to hack the election. Yep. Well, the election is really 51 elections. And so they don't have a simple way right. to create some cookie cutter to break into the whole system sure. or to do it once in a way they can replicate in another state. They have to do it new and different every single time. And frankly, it deters them from trying in the first place. Folks, I want to thank him. He is uh, just terrific, and it's an honor to speak to him, Ken Cuccinelli. Ken, are you? Um, is there a website that we could learn more, or our organization um, that you are? Yeah, I, I lead. I lead the Election Transparency Initiative on behalf of the Susan B. Anthony List and American Principles Project. And today, our electiontransparency.org website should go live. So great, should be. A- Ken Cuccinelli. Ken, thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to join us on the John DePietro Show. Folks, good afternoon at 127. You know, um, I want to dip in. The uh, the Derek Chauvin trial seems very good. The defense is, uh, is really having quite a successful day in their defense of Officer Derek Chauvin. I want to dip in a little bit. They have a forensic uh, pathologist expert on the stand right now. I want to hear this so that's one of their baseline if they have a low level of secretion. And the other thing that paraganglionomas do is every now and then, um, without warning, they'll have a sudden surge in secretion. So they're cyclical, um, which sometimes makes it difficult to diagnose them. You have to do specific um, testing to diagnose them to get around the cyclical activity. So in, just kind of in conclusion, Dr., um, did you form ultimately opinions as to the cause and manner of death of Mr. Floyd? Yes. And um, what would those conclusions be? Mr. Floyd died of a cardiac arrhythmia due to hypertensive atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease during the restraint. And were there um, contributing causes? Yes. What are those? The substances, the fentanyl and the methamphetamine, the potential of a um, carbon monoxide role, and the potential that the paraganglionoma was adding adrenaline to this whole wow. um, mixture, uh, making things even worse. How would you classify the manner of death? So this is one of those cases where you have so many conflicting um, different manners. The carbon monoxide would usually be classified as an accident, although somebody was holding him there. So some people would say you could elevate that to a homicide. You've got um, the drugs on board. In most circumstances, in most um, jurisdictions, a drug intoxication would be considered to be an accident. He's got significant natural disease, certainly the heart, the paraganglionoma, you know, you can certainly consider it um, as a potential exacerbation.
process, but I wouldn't put it at the top of the list there. So he's got a mixture of that. Wow. Um, it was an accident. He's, he's in a situation where he's been restrained in a very stressful situation. And that increased his fight and flight type reaction. And that would, during restraint, would be considered a homicide. And you put all of those together, it's very difficult to say which of those is the most accurate. So I would fall back to undetermined. No, uh, we can wow. Undetermined. Can you put uh, your slide regarding the undetermined manner again back up. Undetermined so cause of doctor, death. You would agree that this had lots of wow, many potential contributing. Folks, that's a game changer. Uh, causes. Saint George Floyd. And cause of death undetermined definition of an undetermined manner how does that apply so that, that is what this classification under the name guidelines is really one of the one of the uses of this particular classic classification is when you've got so many conflicting different um, potential mechanisms of death that could lead to um, yeah so therefore the manner is not clear um, Your Honor, I have no further questions. Wow. Folks, very, very significant. We'll reconvene at 1.30. All right. Well, that was very, very significant, folks. Very, very significant. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dePietro.com. Well, that is very, very significant uh, in this case, obviously, now as how this thing is going to go down if there you have the defense having witnesses saying it's undetermined how he died and then obviously you know this is a completely different scenario and it's also significant we are going to cover it with our uh, legal expert attorney tim dodd tomorrow but what's also significant about it is just the fact that's what the jury's being left with as then they're going to the break. So, um, wow. I don't know how that's going to turn out. The schedule now, today is Wednesday. And again, good afternoon. <coughs> Excuse me, one thirty-two. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Now, today is Wednesday. Uh, I believe the defense, they're going to be, they're moving very quickly through their case. Closing arguments are set to start on Monday. And then so the jury is going to be sequestered and given the, um, you know, given the case where then they will have to render a verdict. Uh, I don't know where it's going to come out. I No one is getting out. And remember, folks, this doesn't have to... Um, they don't have to come out with it. It's not innocent. It's just whether or not guilty, whether or not the person is guilty. Now, in the backdrop of this, the officer who shot this Dante Wright, the woman, she's now being charged second degree manslaughter. And she's going to be, uh, I believe, in court. So we'll see what type of proceeding her. Her life is upside down. She is the one saying it was an accident. That she meant to use the um, stun gun, the taser, excuse me, the taser. 
And instead, she obviously used her handgun. But um, can I? Can we play the sound? I'm going to play the the sound. This is uh, Good Morning America this morning doing a, a little bit of a recap of last night. The police chief has resigned. The officers resigned. And now this is new. She's being charged with, she will be charged with second degree murder. Now they overcharge on this stuff. But let's hear, this is um, the Good Morning America piece, I think, yeah, from this morning. Overnight, several hundred protesters in the streets of Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, for the third night in a row. Demonstrators demanding justice for 20-year-old Dante Wright, who was fatally shot by police officer Kim Potter during a traffic stop. Her home in a nearby suburb barricaded and oh, guarded by police. Some officials say Potter was not inside. Potter, a 26-year veteran on the force and former head of the union representing Brooklyn Center officers, was training another officer at the time of the killing. She resigned Tuesday, writing, I believe it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers if I resign immediately. Have you accepted that resignation? As of this moment, no. The mayor not ruling out firing Potter instead. Brooklyn Center's police chief, Tim Gannon, also submitting his resignation Tuesday. Police releasing this body camera footage a day after the shooting. I'll pay you. Pay the, pay the, pay the. Yep. Oh, second-degree manslaughter. Right. Discharging her gun instead of a taser. The questions remain: How this fatal mistake could even second-degree manslaughter? There's a reason why. Tasers. Stop the tape for a moment, folks. I apologize. Thank you, Jeff. Prosecutor said that she she's going to be charged with second-degree manslaughter for killing uh, Dante Wright. Um, going to be filed three days after. Blah blah blah. I had seen, I think that can, well, we'll find out. Um, Intent is a necessary component of second-degree manslaughter. Charge carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. Can be applied in circumstances a person suspected of causing a death by culpable negligence. Creates an unreasonable risk or consciously takes chances to cause the death of a person. So, asked how he arrived at the decision. I think it'll be evident when you read the complaint. Porter was arrested this morning. Uh, her attorney did not respond to anything. Uh, um, Star Tribune reported concrete barricades and tall metal fencing had been set up around her home in Champlin, north of Brooklyn Center. Police cars guarding the driveway. So uh, Floyd's death last year, protesters demonstrated several times at the home of Derek Chauvin. Police said Wright was pulled over expired tags. They sought to arrest him after discovering an outstanding warrant. The warrant was for his failure to appear in court on charges he had fled from officers and possessed a gun without a permit during an encounter with Minneapolis police. Body cameras video show Gann released Monday. Potter approaching right as he stood outside the car. Officers are arresting him. I'll tase you. I'll tase you. Taser, taser, taser before firing a single shot from a handgun. Um, they disputed the shooting was accidental. Ben Crump, family attorney. Experienced officer knows the difference between a taser and a handgun. Kim Potter executed Dante. Now that that like this, how irresponsible can you be? She's yelling taser, taser, taser. Case of officers mistakenly firing their gun instead of a taser do happen. Experts say they're rare, usually less than one a year nationwide. 
Potter was an instructor with the Brooklyn Center Police, training two other officers when they stopped by. All right, so she was training two officers when they stopped. She said, I've loved every minute. Um, Boom, boom, boom. Face off again. Uh, They have the... (laughs) This thing is not going away anytime soon. All right, let me go back. Thank you for that, Jeff. Folks, again, second-degree manslaughter. Second-degree manslaughter. So it's Chauvin that's on charge for the murder. Alive, the handle is different. Now, the young father's family demanding action. She was the law, right? Protect and serve. Put her in jail. Like they would do any one of us. The mayor telling me it is going to take a lot of changes before this community can trust the police. As for today, we can expect to hear what charges, if any, Officer Kim Potter will face. Second degree manslaughter. Second degree manslaughter. Um, also, Dante Wright's parents did an interview. 20 years old. They can't accept that it was a mistake. She's yelling, taser, 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 I'll tase you. Maybe she shouldn't have been training two different officers. Maybe they've done it before and they've never had a problem. I don't know. Certainly is a problem now. Here's what they sounded like on GMA. No, no pushback at all on this. No pushback. The way that it did. I don't know. I know my son was scared. He's afraid of the police. And I just seen and heard the fear in his voice, but I don't know why. The internet standing for it. Never ever escalated the way it did. No, ma'am. And, and Mr. Wright, how did you get word, and what did police initially tell you about the shooting, sir? Well, um, I got word um, from my wife. She called me, and um, she was they screaming don't, and telling. They don't accept that it was an accident. They do not accept that it was an accident. It was a big day. I can imagine they must be nervous about the Derek Chauvin trial because the defense seemingly had a pretty good day today with uh, with the expert that they had on. Floyd's high blood pressure contributed to his death. George Floyd's high blood pressure contributed to his death. That's what a forensic pathologist testified this morning. Now, later this afternoon, the prosecutors will get a chance to cross-examine that pathologist. But that's what they came down with today, that just what I had said, uh, that he also had a cardiac arrhythmia and clogged arteries during the restraint. Now, again, folks, it's, it's all... Make no mistake about it. It's all terrible. I want to be very clear about that. But um, but the question is, I, I don't think they're going to get him on what they want to. But I, I'm going to touch on that. And again, we'll have our legal expert, Tim Dodd, on this tomorrow. Hey, folks, I want to remind you. Now, we are going from spring into summer remember our friends at re coogan and heating call them today 732-6562 732-6562 re coogan and heating call coogie that's right now remember it's plumbing heating and cooling helpful trustworthy reliable 
residential services, commercial services, RE, Coogan Heating. Coog says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. RE, Coogan and Heating. Call them today at 732-6562. Look for them on Facebook. And then the website is recooganheating.com. recooganheating.com. Now, as far as the Chauvin trial, which is moving pretty good pace, pretty good pace, uh, the defense is up. They are getting their turn. And again, repeating, folks, the big story of the day, the Minnesota officer who killed Dante Wright will be charged with manslaughter. Kimberly Potter, who resigned from the Brooklyn Center Police Force, will be charged with second degree manslaughter. Potter shot Mr. Wright, 20 year old black man, after appearing to mistake her handgun for a taser, igniting, well, protests over the killing. Now, um, look at this in the New York Times. George Floyd case highlights debate over bias in the science of death. How is that bias? Doesn't science take out race? So now we're saying, critics say forensic pathology has been slow to acknowledge how bias may affect decisions. I, I, I thought science takes all that out. All right, Derek Chauvin trial updates. Medical examiner called, blames Floyd's heart for his death. <clears throat> now, I also want to be very clear. I know people are saying, George Floyd's not on trial here. That's true. But in trying to get to his cause of death, uh, the condition of him and what led him to that point certainly is fair game to be examined. We're on lunch break. Different reporters represent the news. Um, It's tough to tell how the jury's reacting. Jurors were grateful for the break today. Jury overall appears pretty low energy burned out. The jury seems drained, said one reporter. Juror 13, per usual, seems to have fallen asleep a few times. And when the break is called approximately 10.50, they seem relieved. Well, that doesn't seem good. Then there's Dr. Fowler, the defense medical expert, sums up his testimony saying there are many factors George Floyd's cause of death is undetermined. The defense has to sow reasonable doubt as what caused Floyd to die. This is the defense effort to do so. Defense is still showing... Images drawn from the police body camera footage of Floyd with white object in his mouth. First police officer approached on the scene, found half pills in the squad car, uh, Floyd's DNA saliva on them. The argument is he ingested the pills, which contain meth and fentanyl, just before his death. How about the officer who was in charge of searching the cars initially did not even find that? That was, um, I think that was effective by the defense to bring that out. Uh, Several medical experts for the prosecution argued the absence of bruises from Chauvin kneeling on Floyd was meaningless. The weight of Chauvin pressing down on Floyd was still enough to basically asphyxiate him. Now, David Fowler, former chief medical examiner of Maryland, suggesting for the defense if Chauvin exerted significant pressure, there'd be bruises. This might be where the prosecution calling so many experts helps their case. It's the defense one expert versus the prosecution many. Now, again, this is kind of a biased New York Times reporter. Um, Let's see. When will there be a verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial? 
The defense began presenting its witnesses Monday after 30 witnesses took the stand for the state. The defense is expected to last through the end of the week. Trial moves into closing argument. Finally, jury deliberation. Chauvin faces second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. Now, Tim Dodd will break that down, but he faces second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter charges in the death of, of uh, George Floyd. Now, I, I don't think they're going to get him on second-degree. Uh, I don't think they are going to get him on second-degree. Will they get him on third-degree murder? I think they're going to get him on. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to guess. So second degree manslaughter. Well, right now, it certainly sounds like the jury's barely paying attention. If we are following some of the reports accurately. But those are the differences. The police officer today faces second degree manslaughter charges. Chauvin faces second degree murder. I don't think they get that. Will they get him on second degree manslaughter, possibly, or third degree murder? I'll go through with Tim Dodd. Uh, we'll have him on the program tomorrow, folks. And tomorrow's also, don't forget, tomorrow also is the next COVID briefing uh, with Governor McKee. Remember, if you have a question or and I can help you in some way, if you'd like to get in touch with me, right now it's 147 and you're riding in the car. You have stumbled onto the program on AM 1380 or maybe 99.9 FM. Hola, it's John DePietro. Uh Just go to the website, dipietro.com. And just click on Contact John, and then boom, there I am, and you can uh, get a hold of me that way. And don't forget, the website is brought to you by Allstate Lock. And folks, with all this social unrest, we need them. Security cameras, car keys, Allstate Lock, experts in locking systems, building security. Call them, 349-0042, or online at allstatelock.com. So, the big news. Um Big test for, I think, for Governor McKee on whether or not he's going to allow. Uh, last year, they allowed protesters to vandalize the Rhode Island State House a little bit and smash windows. We don't know if that's going to be allowed. If you're wondering about the vaccine, Dr. Fauci says Johnson & Johnson vaccine review will take days to weeks. Are they going to put it back out there? Is it a permanent pause? Americans woke up Tuesday unsettling news about the Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine. Possible link to rare but dangerous blood clotting disorder. It's extremely rare, by the way. Do you know that the odds of you getting struck by lightning is 1 in 500,000? The odds of a woman now contracting blood clotting is one in a million. Six women have been struck, over seven million shots given. If you're a man, it's even higher odds. So the point is, the, the odds are, you would, it would be like if you're a woman getting struck by lightning twice. And if you're a man, I don't even know what the odds are. Were they right to pause it? I'm not convinced of that yet. I'm not convinced of that yet. Let me go back to the media, of course, flaming things up. This is the father of Dante Wright. Normal day for us. We started off as a normal day. Um, 
I haven't talked much to the police at all. And folks, good afternoon. We it's John DePietro. This was the uh, shooting that the officer meant to shoot the taser, not her gun, and that it was an accidental shooting. Do you accept that explanation, Mr. Wright? I cannot accept that. I lost my son. He's never coming back. I can't accept that. A, a, a mistake, that's not, that doesn't even sound right. You know, this officer that's been on the force for 26 plus, 26 years. I can't accept that. It's a mistake. And Mrs. Wright, we know that the mayor has noticed no pushback to be, to be fired, to be relieved of her duties. What would you like to see happen, ma'am? I would like to see justice served and her held accountable for everything that she's taken from us. It's an accident. And we do know that people are are outraged, as in the reports, and we're seeing how people are are upset. Many people are upset that again another black man has lost his life at the it's hands an accident. of police. But you all have been consistent in calling for peace and calm. So, oh, Mrs. Wright, what do you successful. want to say to those? Who, who want to take to the streets on behalf of your son. I want to say thank you so much huh. for the support. Oh, I thought they weren't supposed to riot. And standing by us and making sure that my son's name has been heard and asking for justice and asking for... What about the dollar store? That we, that we get everything that we need out of this and making sure that my son's name doesn't get swept under the rug and forgot about are you still calling for peace? Are you are you still hoping that they can do this, uh, a protest in a, in a peaceful manner? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's Mr. been Cron so peaceful so far. We know far. that you're there in Minnesota for the Derek Chauvin trial. Oh, Therefore, God. the Floyd family, as you're now there with Dante's Ooh. family. And as Dante's father said, and as we said in the report, this police officer, 26 years, not a rookie, 26 years on the force, it was actually trading another officer at the time. Sir, what has to take place for this to stop happening? Comply. As, uh, Don't resist the rest. And I learned last night that she was a training officer. Yes. And so it's not about training. It's about implicit bias. It's about giving the same respect and consideration to people of color that we give to white American citizens. We don't see these sort of things happening to white young people that we see happen over and over and don't over resist. again to young marginalized minorities. They could have given him a ticket, given him they wanted to. Uh, a notice to show up. But they didn't show just up. like in George Floyd, they could have given him a ticket. They used the most force when it comes to dealing with marginalized minorities. And we can't have these two Americas, one where we treat black Americans different from white Americans in policing. That's when it will stop, when we start treating each other all the same. Same treatment. And, and before we go, Mr. and Mrs. Wright, tell people about your son. Mrs. Wright, tell people what they should know about Dante. You know, I, I think, um, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Um 
listen, but uh, unless we see differently, it it just it certainly seems like it was it was a tragic accident, and it can happen. Um, it it it's it, it's terrible, but it it certainly seems like it was an accident. She's yelling taser, taser, taser. I I would. I'm not justifying in any way. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be upset. Of course, this is the type of thing you don't get over, unfortunately. You don't. Um, No, it didn't need to happen. It absolutely did not need to happen. But it was an accident. And and this this rioting and looting, that, that is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Shouldn't be allowed. Should not be allowed to go on, period. Folks, visit the website to Petro.com, which is brought to you by, remember, Soul Source Restoration. Are you taking every precaution to clean with the virus? Contact Soul Source Restoration at 712-2700. Request a a quote, excuse me. They do wipe down service. Uh, They do personnel entry testing. They do ultrastatic spraying. Soul, S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration. Contact them today, 401-712-2700. They clean and disinfect residential, residential commercial properties. Uh, look for them. You can log on at the website, which is dipetro.com. Well, folks, it's 155. Good afternoon. It's John DePetro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. In case you're just getting in the car, it's weekdays 11 to 2. Again, 99.9 FM or AM 1380. Big news of the day you're going to hear about coming up at 2. Bernie Madoff, as I used to say, won't be down for breakfast. Bernie Madoff has died in prison. 37,000 victims. Also, locally, the new lieutenant governor was sworn in, Sabina Matos. So that is settled. Um. I'm seeing now they're really highlighting the the odds of someone um, something going wrong with the Jack, Johnson and Johnson the J and J vaccine. It's very very small, very very small odds. Um, incredible, actually. There's another um, story. We're not talking about. But South Kingstown, you know, this is unusual. They 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 have there's a story in the Providence Journal by Katie Mulvaney, but a 19 year old woman has um, accused four men. They're calling them now the South Kingstown four of sexually assaulting her and filming it during a night of drinking on March 1st. So there was a a rally last night, close to 100 people, innocent until proven guilty. Bring them home. Reunite these families. Another note of black youth are five times more likely. Now, we don't know that much about the young woman, but they were trashing her at this rally. The vigil came as three of the young men and cousins, Montrell Wilson, 19. Um, Another one, two of them are both 18, are seeking to be freed on bail. They've been held since March 12th. Sexual assault, assault, video voyeurism, conspiracy. State prosecutors are asking they be remain held without bail. A 16-year-old male is also implicated. 
he, um, I guess, is out on bail. And then the 19-year-old woman, who's not being identified, testified in a days-long bail hearing, being so incapacitated by liquor, she couldn't recall acts that men chronicle on video that they shared on social media. The next day, her face was bruised. So the people there are screaming, this is unfair. They're social media convicted. We're not the way they portray us. These are loving kids. They start to say, uh, he drew parallel to the Central Park Five. And instead said, these are the South Kingstown Four. Yeah, but they have this on video. And then some of them are also members of the, apparently the Narragansett Indian tribe. But what is really surprising is the person that, or Sarah Markey is a South Kingstown School Committee member. She, she's the one who set up the fund to help raise money for the illegal defense. What happened to Believe Women? That's who organized it? This woman comes forward. She's testifying. They're trashing her, saying she was in Butler Hospital. She's got all these problems. Wow. As far as due process, what about what's going on in Minnesota? All right, folks, listen, on this Wednesday, we're going to do this all over again tomorrow at 11. Our legal expert, Tim Dodd, will be joining me then. In the meantime, uh, enjoy this sunny Wednesday. And uh, go to the website, depetro.com, if you want to reach me. Links to all social media, and it's depetro.com. So stay tuned. We're going to have the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. Tomorrow is the McKee, Governor McKee, COVID briefing. In the meantime, it's John DePetro. Enjoy WNRI Winsocket.